I have lots of things to teach you now, in case we ever meet, concerning the message that was transmitted to me under a pine tree in North Carolina on a cold winter moonlit night. It said that nothing ever happened, so don't worry. It's all like a dream. Everything is ecstasy inside. We just don't know it because of our thinking minds. But in our true blissful essence of mind is knowing that everything is all right forever and forever and forever. Close your eyes. Let your hands and nerve ends drop. Stop breathing for three seconds. Listen to the silence inside the illusion of the world and you will remember the lesson you forgot, which was taught in immense milky way, soft cloud innumerable worlds long ago and not even at all. It is all one vast awakened thing. I call it the golden eternity. It is perfect. We were never really born. We will never really die. It has nothing to do with the imaginary idea of a personal self, other selves, many selves, everywhere. Self is only an idea, a mortal idea. That which passes into everything is one thing. It's a dream already ended. There's nothing to be afraid of and nothing to be glad about. I know this from staring at mountains, months on end. They never show any expression. They are like empty space. Do you think the emptiness of space will ever crumble away? Mountains will crumble, but the emptiness of space, which is the one universal essence of mind, the vast awakenerhood, empty and awake, will never crumble away because it was never born. The world you see is just a movie in your mind. Rocks don't see it. Bless and sit down. Forgive and forget. Practice kindness all day to everybody. And you will realise you're already in heaven now. That's the story. That's the message. Nobody understands it. Nobody listens. They're all running around like chickens with heads cut off. I will try to teach it, but it will be in vain. It's why I'll end up in a shack, praying and being cool and singing by my wood stove, making pancakes. That was a letter from Jack Kerouac to his first wife, Edie Kerouac Parker. My name is Raymond. This is my podcast. Mesdames et Messieurs, my Damen und Herren, welcome to the King Alfonso podcast. I don't know if it'll be weekly, monthly, or just random at the moment. This is a shot across the bows, a dipping of the toe into the murky waters of the podcast world. It's something I've wanted to do for a while, and I'm lucky to have pretty good contacts here in London, where I've lived for a greater part of my life now and my time in the music business with that petrol emotion and now the everlasting yeah. I've got interviews lined up with musicians, comedians, actors, writers. I don't know exactly what format it will end up as or how it will work out, but hopefully it will develop organically. So expect the unexpected. I want to entertain you. I want to be your friend. I want to touch your heart. We're going to talk about the immigrant experience. We're going to talk about getting older so for the first episode of the podcast, uh, I did an interview with Franz Treschler, head honcho of the Young Gods. Young Gods is a band who I've been following and been friends with since the mid-80s. They basically kick-started the sampler revolution, name-checked by David Bowie, and big players in the industrial scene. And the thing that people should know about them is that all their records are great every single one of them but in particular I spoke to France uh, around the time of the release of their latest record first one in eight years called Data Mirage Tangram which I will let him explain what that title is about and I caught them at a really good time I think because uh, one of the original members who I knew from the old days Cesare has rejoined and I think it's given them a new lease of life and I think France actually says that during the interview. So I hope you enjoy. 
and uh, I'll speak to you again after the interview. Thanks for listening. Well, I've heard the record and I really love it. I think it's brilliant. Cool, thanks. Yeah, I really, I mean, I was just so impressed. I was just thinking about it and I was listening back to, obviously, to uh, the older material as well. And it just, I mean, it just fits in so perfectly with everything that you've done as well. I mean, it's obviously a little bit different and I moved on a little bit. But, you know, I think whenever you take all your your work together it's it's remarkable the, the quality you know most people's um when when most bands when their records you know it's like you can see there's kind of like peaks and troughs and stuff but i i can't see that with yours and it's just like you've maintained a certain level of quality the whole way through which is just fantastic so yeah it was great and i've talked i've spoke to a few people just on facebook as well who are who are fans and they're basically saying the same thing. They're just a really, really positive, great response. Yeah, that's that's really, really, really positive here too. So I'm really, really glad because um, you never know. You know, it's never for granted. And uh, you, when you work, you, you you're a bit in your own world, so you don't exactly know where you're going and so on. And, and uh, but now that it's out since about two weeks, then we have good feedback. So this is really cool because uh, it's still, I mean, it's the young gods, but it's a bit, you know, down tempo. I, I play guitar. It's not as much as uh, sample orientated than it was before. But, you know, it's exciting because we try new things. But um, it's always a bit of a surprise to see, you know, how people are going to react to it and, and if they're going to like it or not. So I'm very, very happy here. Yeah, it's great. That's really great. Um, wait, I was just going to ask you about the, the title of the album, Data Mirage Tangram. I, I, had to look, I had to look up what a tangram was. I didn't know what it was. So it says it's a dissection puzzle consisting of seven flat shapes called tans, which are put together to form shapes. So I wanted, I wanted to know um, what made you call the record that. Oh, because we have seven songs on the record. Ah, you see, well, I and, didn't even uh, think about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the thing with the tangram is that um, it's, uh, it's a creative tool, you know, to make shapes and silhouettes of animals or, or human beings or anything you imagination uh, can find. But yeah. To, to put them back together uh, in the form of a square in the box, back in the box. Right. It's a bit of a, a riddle, you know. It's, uh-huh. it's, it's, uh, so it's both a creative tool and a cast it, you know. <laughs> In fact, like, uh, it's complicated. It can be complicated. So uh, I, I like that because of the seven songs on the album, basically. Because, you know, you always can try, which is the good running order and where to put this song. Because after this other one, it sounds different and and it's like it's a, it's a bit of a puzzle you know to do a, an album yeah definitely which which song is the good for 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 the start and so on so basically uh, that's the the idea behind the tangram ah, great yeah and it's also because basically after all all of this is a game you know somehow you know because data mirage is, is a bit of a uh, Let's say uh, the topic is, is is about the big data, of course, but especially about like voices of people in the scientific uh, 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 circles that starts to say that uh, we cannot take data for granted anymore because there's so much data uh, we don't even know where it is, and uh, you know all all our lives are ruled by. Data algorithm uh, are deciding if 
if you're able to open a bank account or not, or if you uh, if you if you should be a, a targeted client for this product or whatever. You know, it's it's all our lives are, are, are ruled by algorithms and um, and data basically. You know, if, yeah. you're, if you're looking for a flat or like I said before, if you want to open a bank account. And then people are going to Google you and find your data and see if you're reliable or, you know, and, 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 um, more and more we hear voices in, in the scientific community that, that say it's a mirage basically, but because there's so much data that it's not reliable anymore. There's a lot of mistakes. Algorithms are, are uh, algorithms are colliding themselves together. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, this is not valid. You cannot base and consider this uh, uh, as, as, um, an objective source anymore, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, it, statistically, it doesn't mean anything anymore, basically. So, so it's. I think it's an interesting message because uh, we are at a point where we have to decide where we want to go, you know, and how much we believe in it or not, and 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 so I thought. I like this idea of data mirage because the music we do is all data anyway. You know, it's like digitalized. It's zero and ones and things. And from the very beginning, we almost have uh, had a, a relationship with the machine. Yeah. And and always tried to uh, make some kind of a organic collaboration. You know, that yeah. we can work together and do something together. You know, and and. Uh, uh, it depends on, on how much uh, is there is a collaboration with the machine. It, uh, basically, you, you do a deal with the machine, you know, and, and now we all have to do this in our lives. You know, how much you spend time on on your computer or, or, or social networks and stuff. So I think it's interesting to keep in mind that uh, it's a mirage somehow, you know. And uh, that's so perfect. That's, that's the title and Tangram comes at the end because, like I said before, it's it, it's it's a game after all. It's all just a game, you know. I think I, sometimes I'm very slow on the uptake, you know, because for me, whenever I listen to music a lot of the time, the words, even though I'm really fussy and spend a lot of time over my own lyrics, you know, a lot of time for me, it's the music, if, you know, I don't care what the, what the lyrics are like if the music is not interesting, do you know what I mean? It's like the lyrics always come afterwards and I think if the lyrics are interesting in a song, then it's like, it's such a big bonus really, you know, so... I agree with you, and I think the same, but being a singer and a lyricist, I'm like you, I'm very fuzzy with what I write. Yeah, no, I, I know. it in front of people and so on and so on, but yeah. I prefer uh, when people just get the first impression, and I, and I don't like when people... Uh, when 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 the lyrics are in your face so much, you know, I don't like that, because I think that the music to the talking and and exactly if if you can catch a few words and if if you feel like wanting to uh, invest a bit of time to, to try to understand <laughs> if you can because sometimes even myself I'm, I'm not exactly knowing where i'm going with the lyrics it's more like a, a poetic approach and words together sure. and, and there is never a, 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 a let's say a definite message there's plenty of messages in there and and uh, it's a bit up to uh, the listener to, to find its own um, path through the words. But I think the music is more important anyway because the music sets the moods for everything. And and the, the way I write lyrics is, is always music first and then comes the lyrics. So uh, right. mm -hmm. it depends on the music. The music are going to... Um, 
lead me to find the words for it, you know. So right. I think I, I do put some importance uh, on the lyrics, but uh, I think it's not necessary that to listen to our music uh, focusing on the lyrics at all. That's interesting. I mean, for me, it's like, I, I think I've written songs so many different ways, even backwards, you know, like there was one time I had this, like, kind of, I was playing around with a, with a tape echo. I got this really old tape echo for the guitar. It sounded really nice. And I just recorded something. And I was able to kind of work back backwards from that and like kind of do the tune last. And I think it's one of the things I'm sort of most proud of, you know. Well, yeah, but, you know, that's the deal with the technology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the thing about it is, you know, like, it's really interesting me talking to you because I think for you, obviously, from the very beginning, you have, um, you've always been very involved with the technology. The technology has helped you kind of give the, yeah. give the band an identity. Exactly. Make the Young Gods sound. Yeah. The sampling uh, device uh, made me want to put the guitar aside for two decades, basically, yeah. you know, even though I love playing guitar, you know, but, but I thought this was just something so different. So, and, uh, the approach of writing was completely different. So you could then uh, start writing songs without having to care about uh, tunings or uh, chords, and, you know, with the guitar, uh, you know that very well. Yeah. Go back to the E chord or the A chord, all those classic things that you have. Sometimes you want to change a bit, you know, and all that stuff. And when the when the samplers came on the market, uh, then everything was based just on sound, not anymore on harmonies or tonalities. And so that was very interesting. That was a revolution for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think at the time it was completely. I remember the first time I heard on Voye. I'd never heard it. Was like I'd never heard anything like it before. It was like it was so unique, and it really, really stood out. Because I think you know that period in the mid eighties as well. There, there really wasn't that much around, really. So it was uh, like I think it was a good time for for the young gods to come along. Yeah, probably. <laughs> There was a spot there. <laughs> no, I'm not, but you know what I'm saying. It was a, it was yeah, a great no, time, you know, because it's like you know the thing about it was for something so unique to to emerge, uh, yeah. you know, because especially over here, you know, where at that time, you know, the music papers were always looking for the new thing. And, you know, so they're going to like jump on anything that's kind of unique or, you know, that's new. And, uh, you know, I was like, Kieran, and whenever I was talking to my friend Kieran, we always kind of say, I would say from mostly uh, for maybe like 20 years, I would say, you know, there was a period in, in music where, you know, you would hear something new, like maybe sometimes even every couple of weeks, you know. Yeah. And I, I wonder now why that's why that has kind of come to an end. Is it because we have too much choice now when we make music? Do you know what I mean? I think it's yeah, yeah. I know what you, know what you mean. Yeah. I, I think there's too much choice in everything we we have in society. You know, even if you go to a restaurant and you've got like three pages on a menu, it's like <laughs> I find yeah. it overwhelming. You know, I like it. I one time I went to Italy with my brother and we went to this place. And they didn't even have a menu. Basically, you had three choices and the waiter would tell you what the three choices were and you chose one of those. And I thought, I'd like to go back to that sort of approach yeah. again. You know, I like that approach. No, I do. Definitely, uh, you know, our computers are loaded with uh, programs and, and uh, plugins and stuff that uh, we, we, we'll never open, basically. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and and even our, our our smartphones are like this, you know. So so it's it's a bit uh, absurd, you know. And, and I think that's probably people are, are not uh, or are very fast satisfied. But also because a lot of people spend time. I mean, if if you look at all the the banks and or the sound banks that exist, I mean, you have so many good sounds, you know. Uh, so people are are, are not very. Uh, let's say, uh, daring to spend some time to find their sound, you know, they, they, yeah. they, they're, very, they're satisfied very easily because 
uh, it sounds good and they, they just you know so I think it's not to say I mean there's plenty of ways to do music you know and and, uh, and uh, I I like also the, the I mean the spontaneity of some people who jam with a, a a simple program that everybody has why not you know yeah if it, if I mean I'm not trying to say that you have to uh, spend time and find your sound and stuff it's a matter of uh, taste basically and if the result is good the result is good but but uh, um, I think uh, Raymond maybe one of the problems is that also this technology has uh, uh, let us become a band when you're alone with your computer you can pretend you're a band because you can have good drum sounds and bass sounds and stuff so there's so much music on the market that um, people are doing as a duo or alone you know so yeah. there's an exp exponential um, uh, how do you say that uh, delivery of music yeah it, there's so much music out there that you have to really dig and spend time uh, on those streaming platforms or, to, or anywhere you if you can go to record shops and stuff and you can always find good music but you have to spend some time you know well, I was, what's convenient for you yeah I, I was going to ask you about streaming actually because I, I really don't like it you know and I, I can see that um it's very I find it very very problematic because it, it just seems to me now you got all the big streaming companies now who are making such a fortune and there's a lot of people who you know you, you pay 10 pounds a month now and you can listen to whatever music that you want but again it's just it's that thing about being overloaded with choice but but also the thing that I think is I, I just think back to when we were growing up and you know, when I was young, I, I didn't have any money to be going out buying records every week. So, you know, w what happened was you made friends with people who had a different record collection from you. And that's how you heard new stuff. Yeah, so, but you know what I mean? It's like the human part of that, you know, and like, or, you know, we used to hang around the record shop as well, you know, and you would get to know the people who were coming in all the time, you know, and what sort of music they liked. And, you know, the friendships and the human contact came from that. Uh, I'm just not sure about, I just find the whole streaming thing very impersonal. Yeah, it's, it definitely is impersonal, but uh, I don't know about London, but here in Geneva, we still have... Uh, two, three record shops and um, you can still um, spend some time and, and talk to people. It's, it's still a, a place to meet people. It still exists, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, but do we do that uh, with our age and families? Do we go, you know, like we used to go after school. Like I used to go after school and spend... No, I know, I know. Uh, yeah, I know. Day, yeah. Know. So I'm not doing this anymore, you know, so, so, so I think it's a bit of up to me uh, the relationship I have with with uh, record stores and stuff because I, I used to you know before let's say before streaming I used to buy at least three four CDs uh, a month let's mm -hmm. say, average and now uh, maybe one every two months you know and I, I do have a, a, like abonnement how would you say that a, a, streaming platform um, yeah you have um i, I paid yeah you have you, you pay your your yeah, 10 pounds a month yeah and I, I like your monthly it. fee I, I, yeah i look at it as as a, as a library if i would go to a, a library and, and see all those books and borrow them and put them back in the shelf and thing and uh, uh, to discover stuff i i, I, I don't think i would buy you know the collection yeah. of Dylan, but then I could I can go through it and 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 listen to lots of stuff I, I didn't know before that kind of things, but of course there is the problem. I think the problem is that there is uh, almost it's it becomes uh, uh, you don't have the choice anymore because sooner or later uh, the record shops are going to disappear. You know, so it will be all streaming and stuff, and and uh, it, this is a pity I would say, but I, I'm I'm not nostalgic about. The, 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 because I, I I could go to record stores, but I don't do it anymore. You know, so so I, I'm not so nostalgic about this period of time. But uh, I think uh, 
both are still possible. Yeah, no, there are a lot of record shops here. Actually, you know, there's a, there's a few more have kind of sprung up again recently. But I, I do wonder if it's more kind of older people that are going there. Like somebody told me young people like buying the vinyl, but then yeah. a lot of them don't have record players. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you see, you don't even have a record player anymore. So, so I, I, I still No, I do, I do. But ah, you do, okay. Yeah, I do. And I do like records, but I know that a CD sounds better. You know, when I come out of the studio... And I hear the vinyl. You, you know that something's been lost, you know. But people like the 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 tactile. They like yeah. They like a physical a physical copy. Yeah, because I think the young generation. I mean, part of the, the young generation is just uh, fed up with uh, immaterial goods. You know, they want to have a record in their hand, and they want to touch the paper and the and the vinyl, which. It, it's what we like as well. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. And, and I think this is very good, very sane, you know, that people are still, there's just, they don't want to exchange uh, uh, USB keys with uh, millions of music on it, you know, they, 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 I think it's, it's good. I like that, that yeah. the vinyl coming back, but there's also a bit of nostalgia in it, you know, because, uh, or resistance, or, you know, you can call it in different ways, but there's, I mean, there's, I mean, everything should be possible. I, I, yeah. I buy vinyls. Yeah, no, it's true. And, that's true. And I, I, I like streaming too. You know, so, so, uh, and I agree with you. I, I think, unfortunately, CD is going to disappear now because of the streaming and the vinyl. Yeah. But I think CD quality is is is, is kind of amazing. You know, because you can go deeper with the bass and yeah. and you know the spectrum is larger and, and so. Well, it's, well, it's like, you know, you know, you spend so much time making your recording as good as possible and then somebody's listen, listening to it on really terrible speakers, you know, on their phone or something. Yeah, on an MP3. <laughs> yeah, on an MP3. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Listen, I'm really happy that you're, you've been playing um, to, to hear your guitar playing again as well. I'd really love to... Um, I, I was telling someone that you that you uh, deputized on bass for that Petrol Emotion when we played yeah. with Iggy Pop, you know? And that was a really fun time, wasn't it? That was a great kind of... That was a great, uh, like, period. Great. I loved it, yeah, yeah. I know Kieran really loved playing with you as well. Yeah, man, that was a great. That's a great souvenir. Uh-huh. Do you remember much about it? Yeah, I mean, we played uh, the Brixton Academy. That's right. Yeah, uh, we went to Scotland. We played the Barrowlands. Yeah, the Barrowlands, fantastic, fantastic place. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then I think we went to Holland. Yeah, Rotterdam. Yeah, Rotterdam. Yeah, I think it was Rotterdam. Yeah. Yeah, I think we did. Four shows, or four or five, three, I think. Yeah, I think it was five. Yeah, it was five. And it was that record, um, brick by brick, at the time. That's uh, right. Yeah, was, Iggy Pop was coming back to more of a, a rock band setup. You know. Yeah, he had a young band. I remember that. He, he had a young band. Yeah, yeah, playing like seventies, uh, a little bit trying to sounds like the Stooges, but. They weren't as good, of course, you know? <laughs> but it, it was really, really fun, you know. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Play with you guys, you know, because you guys are, are I mean, uh, you know, don't, don't forget that you were our guests when we first came to London, you know. We used to um, squat your squats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so this, is, this is still, uh, I'm, I'm so happy when I think about this, this period of time that we were coming, you know, sometimes we were cooking stuff together and then going to play pubs and things and then we were supporting that petrol emotion here and there. You were like always a uh, very good host, you know, with us. You know, it was fantastic. It was a great period. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was interesting because around that time when you first came over, so like we had a... Like Kieran and I and 
Mickey, we had a legitimate flat, but then all the other ones were Scots. But it's like Steve and Damien were on the same corridor. That's probably where you stayed. Yeah. And then my sister right. was <laughs> my sister was above. And then oh. it was like we had about three or four other sets of friends who had like three or four other squats. And everybody really looked after them. You know, like a few people yeah. there were painter and painters and decorators. And, you know, they left those flats better than when they first came, you know. And, and we have such a like I'm sure I'm not sure what it's like in Switzerland at the moment. But it's like, you know, here there's so many properties just lying empty. You know, they're investments for people in the Far East who yeah. have bought these flats and they're never going to come. You know, they just lie empty. It's Yeah, it's, they just wait and speculate you know, to, yeah. to rise the, the rent prices and stuff. You know, yeah, it's, it's the same over here. But uh, we had a great uh, squat uh, uh, time here in the 90s. Yeah, and and then until two thousand five, two thousand six, then there was a, a bit of repression, quite a right. and the whole alternative scene kind of disappeared for about uh, five, six years, and it started again like four years ago. And uh, there, there, it's not that as easy as it was to occupy places, but um, now there is a like a new generation who is totally conscious about uh, and, and, and willing to, to show to the people that there are uh, hundreds of thousands of square meters empty, you know, and that's, yeah. that's just not possible, you know, because we yeah. also have like people in the street, you know, with no, no roof and stuff like this, you know, so, so Switzerland is way more comfortable than, than England, but, uh, but still, you know, there is a uh, four, uh, world, like they say, you know, like yeah. who, who can just um, live with the, the, the conditions, the high conditions of life we have here, you know? Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. So there's a new wave, a new uh, energy with uh, the young generation, which is really, really cool. Yeah, they're going to save the world, I'm convinced. <laughs> Yeah, my daughter's generation, you know, they, they, they've had so much shit to put up with, but I think they're going to overcome it and they're going to, they're not going to put up with any nonsense anymore, you know. And we have this generation over here now, like, who voted for Brexit. And, you know, these people have had the best possible life. You know, they've been in full employment all their life. They were able to buy a house whenever a house was very, very affordable. But what they've done with Brexit is that they've voted against the interests of their grandchildren. You know, so it's it's appalling, really. You know, and these people, I don't know, especially in this country, they have this, you're talking about nostalgia earlier on. I'm not particularly a nostalgic person, but these people have a kind of false nostalgia. They have this view of how... Uh, yeah, especially yeah. England, not even the UK, but it's it's an English thing more than a UK thing. I think I don't hear Scottish people talking like this, and it's just they have a weird sense of their place in the world, you know, and it's completely exaggerated and and it's wrong, you know. If you read back in history, you know that they did not win the Second World War by themselves, you know. But you'd think that some of the way these people talk, you know, you'd think that they did. But anyway, I want to stay off politics. That's the one thing I'm trying to do on this podcast because you get me started on politics. It's not good. I wanted I wanted to ask you actually about uh, about growing up in Switzerland. Your family's from Brazil. So is your dad from Brazil? Hello, my dad is from Brazil, and he, he came uh, finished his studies in Switzerland when he was 24, 25, and then he married my mother, a Swiss lady, uh-huh. and uh, I, I was born in Fribourg. But I never really, uh, he, he never spoke uh, Brazilian Portuguese at home. So no. my roots, I, I discovered my roots, my Brazilian roots later on. Yeah. But um, 
three You've been to years. Brazil, have did, did you play in Brazil a few years ago? Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah. This was fantastic. We yeah. did a collaboration with a Brazilian band. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. I saw it on YouTube, fantastic. Yeah, yeah that was that was amazing. And we we did a small tour with the acoustic project in 2008, I think. Uh -huh. We never played uh, Young Gods alone. Right. It was it was always it was always it's kind of hard to go to Brazil. Yeah. Uh, it's a long trip, costs a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. It's not always uh, easy to organize, but we managed to do it twice. But it was never as the band as a, like in its its normal uh, lineup. You know, it was acoustic or with the Brazilian band. So, but um, I I I like uh, playing there because I think. Brazilian audience is, is is very direct, you know. If it, I mean, they it takes them a little while to understand what's happening, and if they like it, they show it straight away. You know? Yeah, they, they start like showing happiness, euphoria, and stuff. It's 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 invigorating. It's a great audience. They're not studying the band and what's the band like. You know, it's like it's very emotional and very very spontaneous. Yeah, I know. I have quite a few friends in, uh, from Brazil that are here now, and I, I work in a translation company. So the, the guy who owns the, the company, my friend, he's actually half Brazilian, so he spent half his life there, you know. And I, I just really have a real affinity with the Brazilian yeah. people. I, I really feel that they're very similar to Irish people in a way. They have a lot of heart, you know. They're they're not exactly. like they're not reserved, you know. Everything's kind of upfront. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I really want to go there as well. I was I was trying to go a few years ago when the World Cup was on, but I just couldn't get the money together. It was just so expensive. Yeah. So Fribourg is a bit of a different story. It's it's not like Brazil at all. No. It's more like a Catholic upbringing, and uh, you know uh, the college. Uh, on one side of the city, you had the boys, and the other side of the city, you had the girls. You know. Yeah. And it was very separated. Yeah, same as Ireland. Uh, yeah, but uh, I, I I moved to Geneva, which is not like it's only an hour and a half, you know, away from Fribourg, which is a Protestant city, a totally different vibe. When I came over here, everything was uh, there was way more freedom at school, and I came in Geneva to to finish with my um, uh, music uh, studies, right? Uh, because there was. Uh, Music was included into the college yeah. maturity, which was not uh, possible in Fribourg. So I, I had less math and things like this, and more uh, music, more time for music. So that was my good excuse to leave my family <laughs> <laughs> and come to a new city when I was sixteen. And uh, basically, uh, I used, you know, I used to make the back and forth every weekend I was going back to see my family and, and uh, doing things in Fribourg as I spent the week at, at, uh, here in Geneva at school so after that when I started with the band you know I was traveling a lot so uh, I discovered Europe and, and the world basically touring with the band and uh, for 10 years I, I didn't really have a, I had an address but uh, I was touring a lot yeah. so uh, I, I always came back to Switzerland because it's, you know, my my roots. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, I like it. I, I lived in New York in the 90s, two years, and uh, uh, I can say I lived in London for a little while, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's true, that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, Did you study classical guitar? I started when I was 12. Right. It was... Also by accident, basically, uh, it was because my I, I started electric guitar when I was eleven because I wanted to play electric guitar. And my teacher he told me maybe you should do some classical training because it's good for the fingers and, and uh, you know the technique. So uh, he told me this. So I went to the conservatory. And plus, there was a Brazilian teacher in, in Fribourg at the conservatory. So my family was very happy because. The, was a Brazilian solidarity, you know. Yeah. There was not that many Brazilian people at yeah. that time in Fribourg in, in, in the early seventies. So um, I went there and started liking the 
the, the teacher and and then I got int introduced to classical guitar, baroque, uh, all the, that world that I didn't know at all, and 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 uh, I started liking music from uh, yeah any kind of music basically, you know, and I started well, making not any difference anymore. Yeah considering music as a, as a big thing that travels with time and changes with the technology of the moment, but just one big thing and not to separate. Sure. You know, so what about rock music? What, what, what kind of rock music would have caught your attention first? So I, 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 uh, I, had a, I still have but my big brother, uh, five years older than, than me, All right. was into... In the late 60s, he was bringing records home, you know, like, so it was basically the, the old, all those great bands from the late 60s and early 70s, you know. That's a great way. You're, yeah, you're very lucky uh, yeah, to have that yeah, education. Uh, yeah. I was listening to early Pink Floyd when I was eight, you know, wow. and, and stuff like this, you know, Beatles and Led Zeppelin and whatever, you know, just name it, you know, so he was bringing those records home and, and uh, oh, so you're so lucky. I grew up with my older process say, uh, tastes, so that was, I was, I felt very lucky. Well, because I, I always wanted a bigger brother. I always wanted a big brother. I really wanted a big brother when I was young because I was the eldest. And I, you know, just for protection <laughs> in the streets <laughs> because just it was just such a violent time to be uh, growing up in Ireland. But also for, also for music as well. I mean, we... And we didn't get a stereo until 1972. So obviously I heard music. I was aware of the. I think the first thing I ever heard was the Beatles. I'm sure it was like, you know, She Loves You or something. Very, very early memory. And I remember being confused by the Beatles because they had two singers. <laughs> I was easily confused in those days. But then, yeah, we got a stereo in 1972. So my introduction to like pop and rock music and stuff was, was glam rock. That was my big period, really. Okay. And then I kind of rediscovered everything after that. So I mean, that's when I became really passionate and... Because I played football, and then the kind of music slowly but surely overtook the the football. Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. Were you, were you ever sporty? <laughs> were, were you ever sporty? Did you ever play any sports? Uh, well, I think I went three times to uh, football uh, course, but then no, it wasn't for me. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not. I was, I, yeah, I was doing a bit of judo and stuff. All like right, that. cool. But uh, again, you know, I was when I discovered guitar, I, you know, I started putting my energy uh, into the music. Yeah, I, I stopped sports, I stopped judo, I stopped all that stuff. Right. But <clears throat> sort your focus out, get your focus sorted. Yeah, because you know, you, I mean, I would have loved to keep on, especially uh, martial arts and stuff like this, but. School and guitar is just it's, it's enough. You have to start to make a choice, choice. Yeah, absolutely. So the other thing I was going to say is that I'm really happy to say uh, to see that Cesare is back in full time in the band again. That's great. Yeah, you're going to meet him. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Because yeah, Cesare, oh, yeah. Cesare always, always have really great memories of Cesare. He was always he has that really great kind of open heart of the Italians as well. It's like really. exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And your uh -huh. new drummer Bernard, he's a really great drummer as well. You've, you've, that's like you, you've you've been very lucky with drummers as well. It's it's hard to get a good yeah. drummer. Yeah, you 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 saw it. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. The three drum, drummers we had we had were, were all fantastic musically, and uh, I mean Frank was was was. I mean I was so sad, you know, about Frank because uh, he was a really really good drummer as well, you know. But he was spending all. The, he had a lot of uh, things to sort out with his, uh, uh, let's say, uh, dark energy. You yeah. Know? So, uh, he was a hard. funny character. Yeah. I mean, outside of the stage, it, it, it was just another man. But on stage, 
I, I would forgive him anything, you know, because he, he, he was just in the beat, in the here and now, you know, he, he was fantastic. Yeah, he was like John Bonham or something, wasn't he? Yeah. But he was crazy. I remember one time he shook hands with me and he put his keys in the palm of my hand and then he, he put his two palms together so that the keys dug into my hand. <sighs> <laughs> and I was and I was completely freaked out because I just wasn't expecting this sort yeah, of thing. You know, I was like, "Whoa, who's this guy?" You know, I'm going to stay away from him. But <laughs> I always wonder how him and Roly got on because we we shared a producer, Roly. We we know Roly Moseyman, the the producer. We've both worked with him, but you haven't worked with him on this last one, now, have you? No. No, he, he's moved. Is he, is he in uh, Poland now, is it? He's still in Poland. Yeah. In the studio there. Yeah. But we, we thought we, it would be, a, I mean, if we thought it was a good idea to uh, take a bit of uh, risks, you know. And, yeah, no, uh, definitely. And, and try new things and not to go on, a, to break the routine, you know, because it's new music. Yes. Uh, a new record, so why don't we try a new way to, to, to do it, you know, and uh, and I think it was a good choice because uh, I, I like the way it sounds. I mean, I'm sure... Oh, it does. Sounds a, great. A, a, good, a good sound too, you know, Roddy is like uh, almost like a member of the band, you know, he's been very responsible for, for from the very beginning for the sound of the band. Yeah. But um, um, after 96, after Only Heaven, it was good to kind of uh, open uh, the possibilities and work with other people, learn other ways to do mixes and production and things. Yeah, no, definitely. You get yeah. you you get you kind of fall into a rut working with the same people as well. Yeah, I think it's it's always good to kick your ass and and, and you know go try new things and meet new people and. and, and and learn, yeah. Absolutely, definitely. So we, we choose uh, Alan Mulder. Um, Is he the guy who was on Depeche Mode? I think he did some Depeche Mode. He yeah. did some uh, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Fours. He did quite a... I mean, even some uh, early uh, uh, Queen of the Stone Age and things like that. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. They're, they're a big favourite of mine. Yeah. I'm a big, yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Queens of Stone Age. Mm -hmm. They're like one of the few rock bands that I like. Mm -hmm. They're definitely a rock band, you know. <laughs> but you know, the thing yeah. about it is they're completely unique, and they've done something. You know, they've they, they they're not they're not afraid to kind of try something new as well. They're you know, mm -hmm. and they're so good live as well. I mean, I saw them do a fantastic concert last year. Really, really great. Uh, so uh, Mulder, uh, I met him when I was uh, staying and working with Dory in New York, and he was just uh, looking for jobs and stuff. He came to New York from from London, and uh, we were hanging out and backstage with other bands or drinking um, in bars together and things like this. But then we lost touch, and he made his. Uh, uh, Career with lots of uh, good musicians, and um, I always followed his work, you know, from afar. Yeah. And uh, uh, I thought it would be it would be really really good to work with him once because I I'm a fan of his uh, I mean his mixes and his productions are fantastic, you know. So uh, it worked well and fast. It, it was really really uh, impressive. So did did he just do the mixing or did he? He did the mixes. Yeah. yeah. So you just sent we them everything. Tried to go as far as we could. Yeah. With with ourselves, you know. And yeah. It was also a question of budget, basically. Yeah. But then uh, at some point, you know, I thought I decided that, uh, and for for example, I, I'm not good with drum sounds. You know, I would have spent days and days in studios to because I I lost the drift production. Right. I, I can I can arrange and I can record, but when it's about like mixing, uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a. I mean, I, I haven't done that since more than ten years. So, yeah. Uh, I thought it doesn't make sense. I would spend months in the studio to try to make it sound good, and people 
they have their ways, they know their gear, and they can propose stuff that I don't even think about. You know? Yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I'm uh, very happy because he also is, is listening to the thing and he doesn't have, uh, he's not afraid of, of letting a bit of danger in the music as well, you know, he's like very open and he, he knew the young gods uh, also from the beginning, so uh, there is a history of that choice also, so it's, it's yeah. very good. I think it was a very good choice, definitely. I have a couple of quick questions here. Um, one of the things I wrote down was, do you feel that your debut record was overpraised to the detriment of your other later records? It was a bit, I mean... I felt that personally. On a way, it, I was very happy to have... Uh, I mean, there was this... It was a bit embarrassing because you could not open a melody maker anymore without having the young goods uh, if, if you would you would read a, a review of Motorhead they would drop our name you would read a, a review of, of Kate Bush they would drop on yeah. it was a bit it was a bit over and like it lost a bit of uh, credibility because it was overpraised I would say in, in, in a way and on the other way I mean it gave us big exposure as well yeah know? it's a double-edged but, sword isn't it yeah yeah Exactly, because a, a, a band coming out of nowhere, Switzerland, you know, people were just like asking themselves, "What is this?" You know, like, yeah. And I don't. I think this this team, because it, it was a team of journalists at the time, like the Stud Brothers, David Stubbs, and and uh, lots of these young guys. They were actually looking. Um, what was happening out of uh, the Anglo-Saxon world, you know? Yeah. They were looking at um, Yugoslavia, Belgium, Switzerland, Germany, you know? And in the mid-80s, there was a lot of interesting things coming from Germany, like, you know, Anstürzenay, like Bauten, or, yeah. or, you know, from 242 from Belgium. So we were part of this uh, exotic uh, bands uh, that do stuff uh, differently you know yeah <laughs> so it's like you said it was uh how do you say a two jagged sword or how do you say that a double double-edged sword Double-edged sword. Yeah, double-edged sword. Yeah, because, well, from my point of view, I mean, yeah, I, I saw them do it to too many people as well, but it was like, you know, it was almost like there's so much publicity for the first mm-hmm. for the first record, and then after that, you know, it's like, well, hold on, if you thought that one was good, what about the second one? What about the third one? You know, what about the fourth one? It's like, you know, because for me, it's like it's gone up incrementally every time, you know, it's just... It's just interesting to see, you know, but as you say, you know, if it gets, the, that's the main thing, isn't it? You need people to to read your name, you know, even if it's in the wrong context or whatever, like nobody, you know, just to get people to go, oh, I'd like yeah. to hear what they sound like, you know, they pick their curiosity. I think it's uh, it's always mm-hmm. good, definitely. Yeah, and I think anyway, uh, uh, how can I say that? But uh, if, if, I mean, it was good to to be to stay a bit in the underground. Yeah. Anyway, you yeah. know, because you don't have this. I mean, we when we did this album TV Sky in '92, yeah, that it, it became quite big, you know. Yeah. And we were uh, asked to sign in America five different companies. Everybody wanted to sign us because of that record. Yeah. So you start to think you're important, you know, and it's, 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 it's I mean, to keep your feet on the ground uh, as an artist is, is always a challenge sometimes when you have like oh, all this uh, blah, blah, blah around the band and stuff. So, so I think uh, we always, we never were like a successful band, you know, which actually I think that kept us together. 
basically, because at the end of the day, uh, a band is just a couple of people uh, trying to be creative and have fun together yeah, yeah. doing music, you know? Yeah. And if you can keep this energy and be happy with the result, then I think, uh, of course, it's, 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 it's a hard job because uh, uh, it's hard to live with music, you know, even for us. It's we had good times and bad times and stuff. Sure. But on the long run, you know, I think you know that perfectly well too. Yeah. Very successful at the time too, you know. And then how to keep the people together and people start to have families and, and their priorities are, uh, have to change, you yeah. know. And, and, you know, different expectations, different ambitions with the members, and blah, 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 blah. All the bands in the world, they, 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 they keep on with time and they know they've been through this 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 uh, problems and stuff so so I think the less fame the more you can actually basically control and and, and talk about it you know because people get crazy with power you know in the political world but also in the musical world everywhere yeah, sure power is just disturbing so I think that kept us together, you know, and it's, that's probably also why we, we just keep on doing music, you know, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, so I think that I have a theory that, and I think it's the reason why for us, you know, for the Petrels, we've all stayed uh, good friends because we never made any money, really, you know, so nobody nobody has any gripes about money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's kept everybody's feet on the ground. But I know what you say, because the thing about it is, even at the time when we started having a little bit of success, and I mean, we never had that much success. I think people from the outside always think, oh, we probably sold more records than we did. We never really sold that many records. We had a base, but it never really changed. But I think whenever things started kind of I think it's whenever people approach you and they think they know you and they know your name and they know you know you know what you do and you've heard your record so they're overly familiar it's a very weird thing I think I, I never was comfortable with it I, I it's interesting I thought when I was younger oh yeah I would like us to be famous and successful but in a way I'm, I don't think I would have been able to deal with it very well I don't know. I mean, I think we, um, you know, we make choices in life and things, and, and it's always good to try to uh, assume these choices and things, you know. And, and um, it's hard to say. You, I mean, we, it's the way it is, you know. Uh, yeah, no, but. Uh, but I, I'm glad to hear that all of you guys, you know, I, I, you send me these pictures. <laughs> Uh, it's it's good, you know, to see all of you guys having a beer and smiling. You know, it's great. You know, I, I tried. Oh, this is Steve. Yeah, man, I haven't seen him since decades. You know, and uh, you and I, we, we met again. You know, and, but uh, for example, uh, Steve, I was like, wow, man. Yeah, I can recognize him. You know, but he has changed, <laughs> of course. You know, but uh, yeah. Yeah, everybody's a little bit older, but yeah, we, we haven't changed. I don't think anybody's changed that much. No, it's really nice that we're still, like, we still can meet up. And I mean, obviously, the four of us are still playing together now as the Everlasting Yeah as well. And that's, that's going really well. But uh, we just, like, obviously, we've had to take a break. Um, but we're, we're back playing again now. We're going to be recording in a few weeks' time. So cool. Yeah. Great. I, I really miss playing live, actually. So I'm I'm going to be really jealous whenever I see you next month and you're at the the Islington Academy on the twenty third. Yeah. Is it the twenty third? Uh, yes, it is the twenty third, isn't it? Yeah. So the Young Gods are playing in London on March the twenty third at Islington Academy, which yeah. is very close to very close to the tube station as well. So that's where you played last time, wasn't it? When the last time I saw you yeah. as well. Um, we played there before. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's, I'm sure that's where I saw you last time as well. We, we played another uh, uh, O2 thing, like in some kind of a festival. Right. But but I like this venue very much. Yeah, no, it's a good venue. Yeah. It's a good venue, yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. Okay, Francois, that's fantastic. Thanks so much for giving up your time. And I really look, hey, I really look forward to seeing you on the 23rd. 
Okay, so that was my interview with France. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, we're still obviously navigating the format. I have my friend Nanesh helping me with the technical side of things. And I really just want to say to him, thanks for coming on board, because for a while I was thinking about giving up the whole idea of this podcast, but he has really kind of re-inspired me to, to go ahead with it. So there's lots to look forward to, and there's lots of other people to be involved as well. It's not just going to be me. So remember, folks... All that's solid melts into air. See you next time.